Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Conflict. Why do we have conflict in the world in which we live? We have all the amenities of life, we have all the privileges of life, yet we live with conflict all around us. We involve ourselves in it, and we become involved in it. We watch it, we observe it, we listen to it, we hear it, we see it, and it's part of our daily life. Why? Why do we have conflict? Well, that's my topic today, and thanks for joining me. You know, to understand this topic, one has to understand a couple of basic concepts that are essential to our government and central to the American way of life and essential to what formed America, the Constitution on which America was based. There's a couple of concepts that are very important that we have to look at. Number one is what is referred to as the common good. The common good. Our nation was based on the belief that we would all act and all uphold and all honor the concept of the common good. That we would all live for the common good of each other. We'd all benefit from the common good of each other. That would be a basic understanding of how we would behave ourselves and relate to each other and treat each other. The common good implies that there are certain things that you withhold, you, you monitor, you keep to yourself, or you express in a very gentle way rather than in a bold, aggressive, and violent way. When you act in the common good, you act for the betterment of each other. You benefit, and others benefit. But we have lost the concept of the common good. And how did we lose that? Here's how we lost it. We lost it by diversity. When we went down the road of diversity, we no longer were basing our decisions and our lifestyle on the common good, but we started to base our lifestyle on the basis of the good for a group that was different from another group, and one group from another group, and that the common good was only applied to those within a particular group, but not between groups. And therefore, there were certain privilege, there was certain uh, honor that was bestowed upon certain groups of people. And we, forgave, or we forgot, we gave up the thought of the common good. And we started to believe in the diversity of goodness, or the goodness of diversity. And you had to belong to a particular group of people to have privilege, or to have honor, or to have a... Uh, decision made in your favor or some particular benefit bestowed upon you. So with the common good we need to return to if we're going to deal with this issue of conflict. The other issue that is basic to our Constitution and basic to, our, to the American way of life is what we refer to as justice for all. It's in our pledge. You know, justice for all. <clears throat> we have somehow broken that up, and we give justice to some more than we give justice to others. We have privilege, we have priority of justice. 
we no longer have justice for all, we have justice for some, we have justice for others, we have a certain degree of justice for some and a degree of justice for others. And you know the scenario that goes on as we look at this in the criminal world, we look at this in the political world, we look at this in the social world. We've given up the concept of the justice for all. And we require now people to buy or to vie for a degree of justice that applies to them at the expense of justice for someone else. And there's a third concept that has recently come down to us. It's important to understand why we have conflict. And that is the issue of political correctness. You see, we have gone on the path of saying we, are, we have to now change words, and we have to make up words, and we have to stop using certain words because it might be offensive. Well, that's true. There's certain uh, goodness to that, and that's also in the common good, is that we be thoughtful of the feelings of other people. But political correctness requires us to lie, requires us to falsify, requires us to be dishonest. It requires us to not talk when we should talk, to withhold information when we could share information. It's a matter of being withheld or uh, contained, if you will, for the good of somebody else or so that someone else will not be offended. And we have a world that has become dishonest, a world that has become withheld, and a world that has become just to themselves rather than open and dialogue and to uh, debate and to discuss. We now have to do that in a very gentle manner, always thinking that we could offend someone. And that almost encourages people to be offended when they're really not. So those three concepts, I think, are very important, very basic to the issue of conflict. And if you're going to resolve conflict in the world and in our country, in our homes, in our nation, in our communities, or wherever, we have to start looking at those three concepts as to how they apply in that particular situation. Now, some years back, a couple by the name of Edelson, Mr. and Mrs. Edelson, Dr. and Mrs. Edelson, surveyed the research literature in the area of conflict. And they came up with five beliefs that propel individuals and groups of people towards conflict, to engage in conflict. And why do we engage in conflict? Well, they came up with these five beliefs. Here they are. Superiority, injustice, vulnerability, distrust, and helplessness. Now, let's take a, take a look at each of these and see how this kind of breaks down in terms of how we think and how we believe and how our beliefs encourage certain kind of behavior patterns and uh, almost propel uh, certain kind of behavior patterns uh, by, uh, for each individual. So conflict is between individuals. Conflict is between groups of people. There is perhaps no more dangerous force in social relations than the human mind. And it's in the human mind where beliefs exist. People's capacity to categorize, interpret, and go beyond the information given 
readily leads to the stereotyping and the dehumanization that escalates and entrenches individuals and groups in conflict. So what are these five beliefs, or these five domains, if you will, of uh, thought and belief that will lead us into conflict if we believe them, if we act on them? Superiority was the first one. That's the feeling of having yourself as a being a special person or that you have a deservingness or that you're entitled to certain benefits or you're entitled to certain kind of privileges in life. And if you don't get them, then conflict is likely to be the result or likely to uh, occur between you and the individual or the group of people or the institution that you think is withholding something from you that you're entitled to because you're special. So when you look at crimes that are committed of all kinds and some of those gross crimes that are being committed today, there's a belief that, there's, that someone is special but that they were not treated as special. They do not, well, we don't have the privilege that would ordinarily come to a person who is special. There's an expectation then, a high expectation that you're treated in a certain way. And with that comes the idea that there's a lack of empathy and the lack of ability to compromise. Because if you think you're special, you don't have to have empathy for others because you're not caring for others, you're caring for yourself. And you don't compromise because you're not trying to make it with other people. You're trying to live your own life and your own preferences and your own desires. And you care very little about the desires and preferences of other people. So feeling special can readily result in conflict if you're not treated special by somebody. And then that person becomes the enemy. Here's the second one, injustice. This revolves around the perceived mistreatment by specific other people and by the world at large. It's the idea that you're being unfairly treated. Now, maybe it was just kind of a mishap that occurred, but you perceive it as you being unfairly treated. Say, you were disappointed, you were betrayed, you were mistreated by someone. And you hold that grudge for that mistreatment, that injustice that came your way. Maybe it wasn't even meant. Maybe it wasn't even thought to be an injustice statement or uh, event that had occurred. But you interpreted it that way. And if you interpret things that happened to you, that might be inappropriate or that were wrong or that were out of line. But if you interpret it as an act of injustice against you, then whoever acted that way becomes the enemy. And they're more likely to be a conflict towards that person or toward that group of people or that institution that treated you unjustly. It's your perception. If you feel like you've been betrayed by somebody, there will be a price to pay. That's what this feeling of injustice is all about. So that's the second one. Now here's the third one. People who feel vulnerable often engage in 
conflict. Vulnerability belief revolves around a person's conviction that he or she is living in harm's way. They define, you might define vulnerability this way. It's a person's perception of himself as subject to internal or external dangers over which he has very little control or lacks control or is insufficient to afford him a sense of safety. You see, vulnerability is you live in a world that's going to get you, a world that's going to hurt you, a world that's going to do wrong to you, or a world that is somehow going to bring pain upon you and into your life. You believe that. But you also believe that you're not strong enough to deal with it. You're not strong enough to prevent it. You're not strong enough to uh, confront it. You're not strong enough to somehow resolve it before it gets you and before it hurts you. So there's that feeling of weakness within oneself but living in a world that's powerful and strong and negative and somehow will overpower you and cause you wrong or cause you pain or cause you hurt. And if you live that way, as a child, you lived in a home that there was a powerful parent that was abusive and you couldn't control it, you couldn't stop it, you begin to learn how to be or to view the world as you being vulnerable and the world being strong and powerful and overwhelming. Here's the fourth one, distrust. Distrust. The expectation, distrust is the expectation that others will hurt you, will abuse you, will humiliate you, will cheat, will lie, will manipulate, or take advantage of you in some kind of way. That's distrust. You know, you live with this sense of not being able to trust anybody. The most basic belief that a child develops and must develop and should develop is to have trust for his parents, as trust for his caretakers, as trust for his family. But if that trust does not, begin, does not uh, build or is somehow broken or uh, violated, you may live with that sense of distrust the rest of your life and see the world as a world that you cannot trust. See men as people you cannot trust. See women as, as people you cannot trust. See people in authority as people you cannot trust. You see people who have influence over you as people you cannot trust. And when you cannot trust the world, you cannot trust the people in your world around you, begin to live that defensive life and it's very apt, you're very apt to act in conflict, to attack such persons before they attack you. And here's the fifth and the last one that leads to conflict. A feeling of helplessness. Your personal helplessness. You know, it's a, it's a feeling here that you cannot make a difference. You cannot stop something that's going to be hurtful, painful. You cannot have influence over the people in your life. They have more influence over you. They have more power over you. You have very little influence over them. Helplessness is a kind of a sense of, uh, of being uh, weak and being inadequate 
for an occasion, for a situation to deal with. Helplessness is the basis for depression. And when you feel depressed, you're more likely to not have the control over your life and can act in conflict with other people very easily, very quickly. It's that feeling that you believe yourself as being weak and the situations in which you are dealing and in which you are living are more powerful and you have no influence over them. You're helpless to the powers and the forces that are operating on you that will take advantage of you and hurt you or somehow manipulate you to do something you don't want and you have no ability to control it, to stop it. That's helplessness. No matter what I try to do, it doesn't help. It doesn't make any difference. So just give up and be depressed. And then you feel angry, you feel mad, and you're more likely to act in conflict. So there you are. You have five beliefs, common core beliefs, that are basic to the issue of conflict in the individual and in groups of people. Could be even societies of people, countries of people, large groups of people, communities of people. If you believe in these kind of beliefs, any one of them, or two of them, or all five of them for that matter, if those are the beliefs that you have, conflict is more likely to occur, and you're more likely to instigate conflict, but you're certainly more likely to respond to even to the perception of conflict, the thought of it, and act in an aggressive, violent manner. So we cannot have that kind of life if we're going to live for the good of others. We're going to live for the good of our society. We're going to live in a world that is peaceful, a world that is calm, a world that is commonly good to all, and lives in a world that honors and promotes justice for all, as compared to justice for only some. So thanks for joining me today, and um, take, take heed of this. Look, examine your own life. You know, do you have these kind of beliefs? Do you have any one of these beliefs? Do you, do you have that sense that you are somehow vulnerable, you're weak, and you're powerless, and you're helpless? Do you have that sense that somehow or other you have a feeling of um, having been hurt, and you, there is deep hurt within you, and you want to get even, you want to get back at the individual? that hurt you, or somebody that represents that individual or that belief system. If you have some of these basic beliefs, examine them and deal with them. You might need to have a counselor, a psychologist, sit down with you and think them through as to why you have those beliefs and how you can modify them and change them and uh, desensitize them and remove them from your life and from your primary way of thinking and reacting to situations that happen to you. If you have these beliefs, that requires really a psychotherapy intervention. And it's a good way and a good time to seek the counsel of a psychologist in your community that you know or that you have heard of or that you can connect with and help you think this thing through. Okay? Look to people who are the opposite and discuss with them. Find out from them 
why they feel the lack of these kind of beliefs, why they operate on the lack of these kind of beliefs, and are more trusting and more open and more caring and more empathetic and more compassionate in their reaction patterns to other people. To learn from others. Thanks for joining me, and um, bye for now.